I'm uh, Alex, Dr. Wires. What's your tag? <laughs> My tag is Wires. But it's like, to make it original, there's probably already a Wires out there. So I'd put like a one and a three in it. Oh, like Dead Mouth 5. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How and about uh, you? I'm Aerialist, and my tag is Aerialist, Aerial.ist. And there'd probably be a lot of arrows like pointing up. Yeah. And you, you have previously tagged in New York City. I have. We'll but- get it. We'll yeah, get into that later because we'll that's really that. like modern tagging. That's yeah. like the youngest, the newest taggers. But we're talking about the history of, the of graffiti and street art. Um, I thought maybe like should we start by revealing? We could talk about like our sources for this, so people know that we did our research, or they like know what to go look at. Yeah. So my sources are these streets. Um, yeah. You firsthand, <laughs> you firsthand know and have talked to a bunch of street artists um and then we watched style wars and yes. we watched Ex- exit through the gift shop and uh and we did a bunch of reading on of interviews from like the denmark denmark and like berlin graffiti blogs and podcasts right but they're like i am my name is bust okay <laughs> <laughs> you're in deep on the research for the yeah okay you know all about the german scene nice yeah all right well uh yeah, I guess we'll start with, we're going to do sort of a historical tour, right? Yes. And like, so modern, I guess, tagging street art, um, kind of like, I guess as far as the people that have been interviewed about it, it goes back to like the 60s, but graffiti and tagging stuff, as we all know, goes back to like prehistory. Yes. So there's like the real, first... Real, real quick, just for like people who are like, super into graffiti, we're not going to spend a super long time on, like, the ancient, ancient history, but we are going to talk about it a little bit because it's really funny. It's true. We don't want to make people mad. Yeah, we don't. Like, I'm yeah. to hear about About, like, exactly. tags. Yeah. yeah. And we know that none of those people are alive right now, like, the ancient ones to, you know. Yeah, to get mad. But uh, but we want to talk about it because it's, it's funny. So, so the, go ahead. So there is, like, the oldest ever, like, wall stencil is of a human hand, and it's, like, <gasps> 30,000 years old. That they wow. found in a cave. Where? Uh, it's, I think in France. Of course. And then, right, is it Lourdes, France? Lourdes, France has like a, <laughs> uh, is like the famous cave with all the paintings of animals and stuff. Um, yeah. But but yeah, they even then they found like stencils. And then a lot of the, the best preserved ancient graffiti is from Pompeii because the city got covered in ash. Like Got dusted. It got dusted <laughs> instantly. Um, which, yeah, uh, so they're, I think in like 80, like BC, maybe 80, thereabouts. Uh, but yeah, this entire like busy, like seaport kind of resort town, um, in, you know, in part of Rome or whatever got, got buried in like the course of like, you know, 30 minutes 
or whatever by this volcano erupting. So all the graffiti got preserved and the city was covered with graffiti. And so yes. it, uh, it ranges from like, yeah, stencils. There are like political advertisements. There was like an advertisement for a lost horse that somebody's looking we, for. We have the funniest ones. You want to go back and forth and like read a couple? Yeah. Let's yeah. read some of the classic, this is these classic are really, Pompeii graffiti. These are really funny. Um, and they're great. Okay, so this was uh, this was uh, in a bar or brothel um, because they weren't sure which were like bars and which were brothels um, and which were hotels. They were just like they're probably all the same thing. Kind of all the same. Yeah, uh, and it said, "Weep, you girls! My penis has given you up. Now it penetrates men's behinds. Goodbye, wondrous femininity." <laughs> but uh, I think that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. They're uh, what is this? The house of Cuspius Panza, which was a restaurant. So the finances officer of the Emperor Nero says, this food is poison. <laughs> I love that. That might have been true, too. What a you great, know? that's such a funny tag to put outside like a restaurant. That would really sting. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah. So this is in the gladiator barracks. Mm. Floronius, privileged, privileged soldier of the Seventh Legion, was here. The women did not know of his presence. Only six women came to know. Too few for such a stallion. <laughs> Wait, was it, is that like an epitaph or what? This is basically like in the... Oh, like, just he was here. Yeah, he's, it was mm. like, yo, I was here and like... Floronius only, only slept he only with seven. Yeah, yeah, he's like... Six women. I love that though, because he's... he's He's uh, kind of, like, admitting that, like, he didn't get all that much, like, ass, but he should have. He's very honest yeah. for, like, a soldier. There are definitely some pining sort of, like, love letters, too. Oh, yeah. I love this one. <laughs> well, yeah, because they were, like, I guess people would, like, take shits all over the place. And the, yeah. they had, like, open sewers. So this. I know. I'll t all right. Well, I'm just setting it up. The okay. reason that, like, there's so many of these about shitting on stuff and they're like, stop doing it is because they had open sewers. So people kept shitting, like, all over the place. Oh, this one isn't even. So it says, watch it. You that shits in this place. May you have Jove's anger if you ignore this. Oh, oh, no. I oh, meant, I meant. Yeah, wait, I want to read that one now. Okay. <laughs> uh, Theo Theophilus, don't perform oral sex on girls against the city wall like a dog. <laughs> I love that. Theophilus. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they did. Because you wouldn't call out, you wouldn't blow up your friend's does his like Does Theophilus mean that, like, he fucks gods? Because it's in a Theo, or he loves gods. Theo. Here's Theophilus. another, just outside the Vesuvius Gate. Uh, shitter. May everything turn out okay so that you can leave this place. It's like very, it sounds almost Japanese, how like, yeah. polite it is. Um, so I guess someone was, like, really sick, and they were, like, yeah, I hope you feel better so you can, like, get the F out of here, please. I think they're just, like, if anybody's, like, taking a shit outside the Vesuvius Gate, things aren't going well. Because that's, like, not a good place for it. Yeah. But it's they, never a good place for yeah, it. Yeah, when they dug up Pompeii, it has raised <laughs> crosswalks that are, like, stepping stones because there often was just sewage overflowing into the street. Oh, people were, like, finger banging in that, in that sewage, too. Go Rose! Yeah. <laughs> Cruel Lalagus, why do you not love me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> a simp. <laughs> there's a lot of simp uh, graffiti in here as well. <laughs> there's yeah. one that's like, 
If anyone does oh, not believe yeah, in this Venus, one. they should gaze at my girlfriend. Oh, you wrote that, didn't you? That's sweet. <laughs> um, okay. So, yeah. So there is there is a ton of graffiti in uh, in Pompeii. There was also some, well, actually, like, could all hieroglyphics in Egypt just be graffiti? No, I don't think so. What <laughs> kind of? Those are like inscriptions, right? I think the yeah. definition of graffiti is <laughs> that it's written by the common people. Well, you know, they were the original Keith Haring. That's, that is one reason that, right? that archaeologists really love graffiti is because it's not the official like records written in Latin by historians. It's written by, you know, everyday people. You get the real dirt. But yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so that's how... Because the historian's not going to write that, like, people keep shitting all over the city and it's a real problem, but you're going to see it. Oh, yeah, especially when Nero was was (laughs) emperor. He's like, it was amazing, and I was the best. (laughs) Yeah, and they do also know, well, I guess both from historical accounts, but from a lot of the graffiti that women in Pompeii, uh, it's not like everyone's assumption that there were no, like, women's rights. Women could read and were educated and owned businesses, although often as widows. So there is, like, a story, if if you guys dig into the history of this, of uh, a woman who was widowed, but she was in her, they think, 40s when, like, Pompeii, you know, exploded. But uh, exploded. she owned a brothel, and the Romans weren't uptight about sex. Owning a brothel was like owning a That's nightclub job, or owning first, a restaurant. the first profession. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, she, she both owned a brothel and would, like, sometimes work there. Did she write like, graffiti, if, though? Right, if you're the manager, sometimes you got to fill in. Did she write graffiti? Uh, and so... Did she... Yeah, well, so she, I don't think she wrote the graffiti, but women who worked for her graffitied it and wrote, like, the name of the establishment or whatever. Oh, they were, like, her street team? Yeah, she had, like, a street team, I guess. They um, were, like, come here, like, we... <laughs> I think because her name was on the establishment when they, like, dug it up. Or maybe they found yeah. her house. Okay. And then written, it, one of the graffitis was written as in, like, the title of, like, the way they would write on, like, the Senate or whatever, like, their Senate title, like, you know, Julius Caesar, Conqueror, or whatever, and it was, like... Agatha, she sucks cocks. That's awesome. Oh, my God. That's, I love that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so there's, there was graffiti all over the world. Um, but then Christianity happened and all that fun stuff, like, stopped for, like, a moment. And because people were busy, like, nailing uh, Jesus's proclamations. That was, like, the graffiti, I guess, the Luther um so that took like a major like pause with it i guess kind of yeah i suppose so why did why is there like not much i legit dark ages graffiti legit like the all the research i did yeah pretty much said what i just said like yeah maybe (laughs) most most of the buildings that are made of stone that survived are like castles and like churches but also like during the rise of Christianity, like, that was the graffiti. Like, people were like, Jesus! <laughs> they were just, like, writing. Or, or they were writing, like, half the Jesus fish in the sand with their foot. And that was, like, graffiti. And then, like, if you were, like, also a Jesus person, you would, like, complete the other half. Like, that was, is like. Is actually a thing or did you just make that up? No, that was actually a thing. <laughs> that was, like, sand graffiti. Um, <laughs> Nobody's going to see Yeah, leg- like, this is, it's, like, 78 BC. And then it's, like. Your history then jumps 1940. in. 1940. <laughs> uh, Kilroy was here, became a symbol of the U.S. Super GI during World War II and the Korean War. It showed up everywhere worldwide. 
1949, Edward Seymour invents the first aerosol spray can. In 1961, the Berlin Wall was built. On the west side, people were free to approach the wall and did so with a colorful commentary. So yeah, spray paint didn't come around for a while. Weed pasting has been around for a long time. Wait, I said the aerosol can. Yeah, 1950. Yeah, true. seems pretty recent. Um, and then, so in 1967, early writers to emerge in Philadelphia include Cornbread and Cool Earl, but everybody knows that graffiti didn't really start in Philadelphia, even if it did, it like didn't. It really started in New York on subway trains with a bunch of kids, which I think is so awesome. It's like one of the first like things that is still like major art and like historical movements that's like still going on today that was started by a bunch of like 12 year old kids in the subway yeah in new as york as far as like international art movements go yeah it's like yeah i guess you could say like the beats like writers movements maybe oh, come on. but yeah as far as visual art goes that's that's one of them that really stands out i i just think it's it's that's it's so cool so the first uh graffiti artist like name or i guess we should qualify the different state the difference between graffiti a graffiti writer mm-hmm. which is um basically writing your your name <laughs> uh and a graffiti artist or a street artist which is like the mural kind of stuff that's not usually a name it's more like a picture or something that you see uh, and then a, a muralist is like, I guess, someone who's commissioned. <laughs> okay. I think that's the distinction that graffiti writers like <laughs> the best. Yeah. I mean, New York has both all over the place. Yes. Right. And there's both commissioned pieces and then there's tags that can be like small. And then there's like really like elaborate word art or like elaborate tags. Too. Oh, yeah. Should we go? Should we say the glossary since we'll then we can just use it freely? Okay. Why don't All you right. go through the, define some stuff for us. Okay. So, tag. What's a tag? That's your, like, your specific, like, symbol or name or words that you, like, used to mark that you were here. Yeah. So, yeah, it's 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 your stylized signature, okay. which I really like. Nice. Um, and then what is a throw-up? So, throw-up is just a, a quick tag. Right. Or like a little bit. It can be elaborate, but generally it's just like a quick, like something you'd make in five minutes. It's, yeah, or like an outline. um, Mm. Something that you do, yeah, really quick. Uh, If you're, yeah, a lot of graffiti writers like to be called graffiti writers, not graffiti artists. It's different. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. What is to bomb um i mean to bomb is to it's like putting your signature on stuff or it is like tagging stuff or to cover to cover with tags okay. uh what's going all city all cities if you get your name on enough trains that your name appears in all five boroughs yeah really good okay now nice. you pass the graffiti test. all right um so the first Graffiti writer that was really that was really like popping up in the like late seventies early eighties was Tacky, uh, and 
What was his number? I think it was one. One sixty-two, I think. One six one. Yeah, I have it in here because a a an article in the New York Times like wrote an article about about him. Um, nice. Yeah. He was like the the sixties or seventies, right? Yeah, he was the one that pe- people would see his name everywhere, um, and then other kids saw that and they were like, "Oh, that's really cool." This person has their name well they realized it was a name i think at first they were like what is this Mm -hmm. uh and then they were like oh his his, he has his name everywhere like in all the boroughs everyone sees it going to work he sees it um and so that's kind of how the the rise of like bombing trains uh happened i guess graffiti writers used to tag up the insides of trains and then they wanted to create more elaborate designs and like larger designs so they moved on to like spray paint and you can't really use spray paint inside so they started tagging the outsides of trains and uh they would do this by by waiting in the train the train yards or yeah or sneaking, sneaking into the yeah. train yards uh at night or, or like into tunnels where they're like storing the trains, um, yeah. And they just, if not the trains, they'll tag up like all of the underground tunnels and stuff too. Have tons of tags. Yeah. Um. So there's let's see, there is. It's also easier to get to get at least in the eighties or seventies, right? It's easier to like do a big piece and not get caught if you're doing it in a like deserted train yard in the middle, like in the middle of the night. Versus trying to do it, like, on an operating subway train. Yeah. And I this is kind of when it hit home to me. Like, I think in the in the the movie, um, the movie that we watched. In Style Wars. Style Wars, yeah. A lot of the, a lot of the, like, artists featured in it, they were, they would say how they would, like, sit on the bench, the train bench, and they would, they would watch their their work go by and that's it's like that is very cool that you you're part of a moving museum basically um with your work on it and you're watching other people watch your work and you know that it's it's going to but they're kind of snobby too depending right so they're like yeah other people don't know what it means but like the other like writers know i what it means yeah i think that that's pretty noble though because it was all about sh- showing off to the to the other writers and is very insular, mm. which I think is one of the the things that makes graffiti really unique from other forms of like I guess fine art <laughs> because usually you want to impress you know a crowd or uh, you want to you want like consumers and this it's enough for you to I think it was enough for them to just do it, but also for other writers, to get respect from other writers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there is yeah. a, I was reading an interview with uh, Scheme, who's in, who's in our sound clip in the beginning, but all, who's in that movie and has the great interview with his mom, like rolling her eyes uh, in their apartment. Uh, when he talks, he basically says that very real stuff about art. He's like, I'm doing it just to do it. If I get famous, that'd be cool, but I don't care. But uh he, in a later interview, he he made the point that, because uh, he went on to have a professional career doing, uh, like, art-related stuff. But uh, he was like, yeah, to do, like, a big piece, you actually, 
you have the idea, you work it out with pencil and paper, then you like gather materials, you figure exactly like what colors and everything you're gonna need because you have to bring everything. And then you do like a threat assessment or a risk assessment. Mm -hmm. Like before you go do it, you're like, how am I gonna get to like the train or wherever, like wall or like what climb whatever fence I need to climb past to like get in there and like do the piece and then get out quickly and like what's my escape plan? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, he made a good point. He was like, it really did like it taught me to like operate professionally, like long you know, way more than like college or, or formal schooling would. Yeah. Uh, and yes, yeah, so the two main people featured in the movie were Scheme and Scene. And there are were, there were a whole bunch of others, right? Yeah, and Style Wars is a ton of people. Style and they Wars, go up but... To, they even show various, like, rivalries between, I suppose, different crews or even just different uh, individual, like, like, writers, right? There's a writer who keeps putting throw-ups on other people's, like, nice pieces and yeah. everybody, like, hates them. Well, he, he kind of ruins their their pieces. He does, yeah. And it's a real, it, it creates rivalries. Banksy famously has a rivalry with uh, Robbo. Oh, uh, someone. Yeah, R-O-B-B-O, who's like a, because Banksy covered some of his pieces. So Robbo is, and a ton of other writers in support of that guy have gone and defaced Banksy pieces. Man. Uh, but yeah, see, scene right in, in Bushwick, you mm -hmm. can see a lot of scenes. You can see some, yeah, stuff. I've seen some. Um, and uh, Scene was saying that the director asked if he could interview his mom. And Scene said, no, you really can't do that. And then there's all those those parts with Scheme and his mom. Mm -hmm. And Scene said that he realized that if he had let them interview his mom, he would have had, like, a much bigger part. <laughs> yeah, um, but he said that he he didn't actually know that that the movie was that big of a deal. He he just, like, went on to do his own thing. And he, and he would, he said that people would say stuff to him, like, these little phrases. And he was like, what are you talking about? And they just, just kind of laughed it off and didn't respond. And then, like... 20 or 30 years later, he really He never watched the film, I guess. He did, but then he was like, oh, whatever. You know, he was a kid. Yeah. And um, years later, he realized that the people were quoting him. Nice. <laughs> and uh, he said it wasn't until he got to Europe and he, he saw... He saw graffiti that was not from any of the Americans that were in Europe at that time. He saw new graffiti... That's when he was like, oh, this is going to be a worldwide phenomenon. Oh. Um, so let's talk about how the train graffiti ended in New York, which is which is like. Just sad. Just sad. Nice. But it's it, it has a silver lining because a lot of the artists got at that same time, they got opportunities to go do gallery shows in in Europe. So, yeah, it was, I guess, right around the time that like right Chelsea and the Lower East Side were discovering graffiti and like putting it into art shows. No. It, was, it was like the late seventies, early eighties. That's when Ed Koch, uh, as part of like wanting to clean up the city, he wanted to crack down on quality of life crimes, which, you know, so Yeah. It was annoying because he even described it as it's both like vandalism and mugging and graffiti, which is like seems like totally different classes of crime. Um so yeah, Ed Koch, he, he claimed that the MTA basically, like, he told them they needed to start guarding the train yards, and the MTA refused, uh, and he thought they were incompetent, and so he he basically, like, embarrassed them, I guess, publicly, 
uh, and got them to, to like, you know, fence the train yards and, and get some dogs uh, that they would put out in the train yards. And then that mostly fixed it. Um, it got, it's cause it was much harder to get like, you know, a, a few hours with the train where you could tag it up, which is a shame. So in, in America, they weren't putting graffiti into art galleries. Like it was, it was Europe that did that first. That's what I was like. No, like the. Well, it's in Style Wars. Well, the, the Style Wars doesn't discuss what was happening in Europe. So in Style Wars, apparently they had just cleaned all of the trains and the graffiti that was on them was slightly new. It was slightly newer. Uh, scene said that right right before the cleaning, before the movie, they were absolutely covered. He was like, it doesn't give the best depiction of like how insanely covered they were. Like the entire car, the the entire train, like entire car, um, almost like something that you would see in like the, like one of those shuttle trains on a 42nd street where it's like the whole car. So before graffiti got put into art galleries in America, it was put into art galleries and a lot of the graffiti artists featured in Style Wars got to go to Europe. Um, so there is an artist called Futura 2000 and he met The Clash and Fab, Fab Five Freddy and Charlie Ahern, who's the director of the film. And That's pretty cool. In 1981, Yaki Kornbelt, who was a, a Dutch gallerist from Amsterdam, came to New York to look for a talented graffiti artist. Um, and through, through Futura and Yaki, they basically cast or like sh- or sort of like shuttled a couple of American graffiti artists to do a show in Denmark and and the Netherlands. And among those those writers were Dondi, uh, Crash, Quick, Lady Pink, Zephyr, and Scene. And then after the gallery shows in the Netherlands, then like, because I guess New York was like looking to Europe to like what was cool, they started doing their own. So Style Wars doesn't really talk about that like intermediate European moment that happened. <laughs> yeah, they treat it as though uh right, there's some art critic in the in one of the galleries and he's like, Yeah, not since like Andy Warhol, like New York hasn't produced anything <laughs> original or like cutting edge. So uh yeah, bringing street art into galleries was the answer, I suppose. And uh oh, I'm actually drinking out of a, a Bosky hut. Water bottle mm-hmm. uh, of the of this era, yeah. yeah. The like, who was one of the the eighties the eighties writers? You have to show them. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm kind of it. Yeah, I don't know which piece this is, but yeah, it's a Basquiat one. Um, yeah, so I Basquiat feel, had a very distinctive style. Yeah, I feel like Basquiat didn't. If he had lived to be older mm-hmm. I feel like his art would be more interesting and I feel like he's interesting and his history and his story is interesting and he the 
you know, the people that he associated with, like where he hung out. That's interesting. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't. You just don't get it. Lo- I don't. You don't get it. Love his style. I don't look at his style and have a, like a visceral, like, oh, wow, 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 like reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's some some graffiti pieces or things around the city. I guess I like the ones with Who with a lot like? of. I like the ones with a lot of color mm-hmm. um, and, yeah, a lot of, like, color and contrast, I guess. Okay. What are some – do you want to jump – we can jump to the modern era. What are some, some modern pieces that you like? Well, I would say I kind of – I kind of just like random pieces that aren't, like, maybe they're – they're not really like murals. They're just like random. I don't, I don't really like the. Oh, Bush Bushwick Collective. Yeah, based in Bushwick. And then like, I don't doing, like it, but they I, do great stuff. They're like phenomenal. They do. They have a ton of like coverings of full buildings. Yeah. So like five points and in Bushwick Collective, I think that that's super cool and that's like one thing. But I remember the living when I lived in in Bushwick, I would walk around like industrial the industrial parts of Bushwick and there'd be buildings with nothing on them. And you turn a corner and there'd just be like, a, a you know, like this crazy like piece and then nothing. And I kind of like the surprise of that. And it just seemed more mysterious. It seemed like it was still done like in the cover of night. Whereas I don't know it, that, that, that gives it something that makes me like it a little bit more, but it doesn't make me dislike the other ones. It just makes me like those ones more. You're, you're equivocating a lot. Look, if you don't like street art, then you don't like street <laughs> art. But uh, yeah, other stuff that's cool in Brooklyn, Jerkface is a real common one who does uh, like lots of repeating patterns of like Simpsons characters or there's like the Jerkface like Bugs Bunny and it's almost like, uh, like almost like a tessellation or whatever or like... Yeah, and Elmer Fudd, or he did the Pink Panthers. Yeah. Uh, all the Pink Panther on, on one building. There's this cartoony, very bright style that's also very surrealist. Um, yeah, and then the, I forget the name of the the cement uh, plant that is right next to the McKibben Lofts near uh, Morgan oh, yeah. Avenue. Uh, that cement plant has really great trucks, and they'll have artists both do the like fence outside the plant and they paint the trucks. So they have a bunch of very cool looking trucks with almost Mexican or like Aztec sort of style designs. There's also Claw Money, who's yeah. a very recognizable. You a fan of Claw Money? Yeah. Um, very recognizable tag seen all around the city, which it's like a, it's like a paw with claws. <laughs> Um, and Claw is a female. Her her name is Claudia, and she uh, <laughs> she yes. owns the company Claw Claw Money. And um, I've heard a couple of interviews with her, and I think it's cool that she she said that she would be afraid. She was fine like climbing up onto to roofs, but if she had to run and like you know jump jump down, she was really really scared and. You know, like let's say the the people she was with, they were like, "The cops are coming. You have to. You have to we have to get out." And she'd be like, 
hang on a sec. And she'd like slowly lower herself down. Um, yeah, I think that's cool because a lot of the other graffiti writers, they're like, yeah, I, you know, like whatever. And um, she kind of, she kind of humanizes herself. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Cool. So then we've talked about kind of the, in the 80s, the rise of, of tagging, bombing trains, and then Koch putting a stop to a lot of the like tagging of trains, um, which obviously didn't stop street art and graffiti because there's lots of buildings. There's buildings all over New York City and there's like industrial areas where there's no one around at night, uh, which are great to do pieces on. Um, so I guess we could talk about more of the commercialization because there was that initial wave in the early 80s and then there are like... Oh, yeah, that's Cloud Money, if you want to show people. Oh, yeah. And I'm then, just showing people a picture of Cloud Money. Right, then kind of like throughout the 90s, like street art and just like as part of hip-hop culture, it was a thing. Um, but then people say it's really like Banksy who started this whole, I guess, second wave of like commercialization uh, and like Banksy and fine, fine art collectors and like major art galleries, again, like embracing graffiti and street art. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Banksy and Shepard Ferry. And then, but I guess people in the graffiti world say that uh, Taps and Moses are the ones who. Who are Taps and Moses? Taps and Moses, um, they published a book called International Top Sprayer. And like, it's, cr- it's basically like crossed out. <laughs> um, oh, no, we did not talk about. We got to talk about cost. Yeah, cost revs are over in uh, sort of Bushwick. Yeah. Around the area. Cost has a a studio around there. You were going to talk about more of the local local artists that we know, I got in a a little bit. Oh. By the way, for those who are listening to the audio recording, our our friend, I really hope you win, uh, Albert Cadabra, uh, has asked about what about uh, cost revs. And revs or cost revs. Uh, he's an artist in, located in Bushwick. Um, Albert, you're welcome to come on. You can chat with us and tell us, yeah. or we will try to inform the listeners from our own recollections of it. <laughs> Rev stop tagging yeah, early, early 2000s. 2000s. Yeah. I've, I've seen cost all over, and cost has a gallery in, uh, I think it used to be in the Bogart building in the art building right across the street from the Morgan Avenue stop. But uh, Cost is, is tagged all over that area. Yeah. And uh, the other one, Fux. Oh, yeah. His tagged, Fux is a photographer. I have met him. But Fux is tagged, which I think is F-U-K-S or F-U-C-H. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. F-U-C-H. Fux. Yeah. I, I think that's just his last name or his last name is something like that. But he's a, <laughs> yeah, he's a very, like, a cool like like chill guy who's photographed a ton of celebrities and then i guess he and cost probably did a bunch of tagging together is why their stuff's all over the more near the like the morgan avenue stop yeah and they're i guess not so much anymore but there used to be rambo mm-hmm. like all over rambo's Bushwick. everywhere um i don't know if people have like <laughs> tagged over it or cleaned up or no. anything um, but I, I knew Rambo. He used to hang out with me and my friends all the time. And when, uh, in 2007, 2007, you hung out with Rambo. Rambo's impressive yeah. because 
you'll see Rambo tagged in just places that does, don't make any sense. Oh, like on right? the freeway like, where it's like, call your mom. On the on the freeway, on billboards, where you're like, okay, I see you got up there. But just in like, yeah, spots where you're like, is he, is he just like excellent at repelling no, to so like you, get into these like locations? You have someone, I actually asked him that and he's like, yeah. no, you just have someone hold your legs. You just, you just you legit. Hang upside down off yeah, the building. You just legit like have your friend hold your legs. You have to really trust them, I guess. Um, yeah, that's wild. Yeah, he, and then he would tag it upside down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he he was really cool. He yeah. because he's a a very like well paid fine artist. Uh, had gallery shows. He would make these little diorama or big diorama like art with like this yeah the the stuff that uh you would make like model houses you know like model train kind of yeah stuff you can make dioramas out of the little model train stuff yeah like, the like little trees and cars and, and okay. he would just make a giant giant 3d picture it's with like, that and people would pay like god knows how much money for but then he would still go bombing and he also at that time was studying or, or in the process of like becoming a Freemason. <laughs> so he would, yeah, he used to tell me that I was a witch, like in a good way. Like he would, he would be like, the first time he met me, he was like, he was like, oh yes, you're a witch. Like, <laughs> you know, and then, so he, it was just cool because he had these, he had two sides. Was uh, he becoming a Freemason so that he could chisel? Like more probably for, like doing graffiti. I don't know. He was super into the occult, and yeah, he had like he was just like super interested in it. But the one there, there was I was there. He got arrested, uh, and we had this whole like free Rambo campaign. <laughs> when did he? When and what did he get arrested? For? Uh, he got arrested. He got arrested at Sway, which was a club slash venue um kind was of he, by the holland tunnel was he tagging up the venue no he got arrested for grand larceny oh he just stole a bunch of stuff from sway well because he was very good at like steal, he would just steal stuff on accident for fun which mm-hmm. uh, like yeah if, if he saw someone's credit card like hanging out of their pocket he would just take it and he would then tell us later he'd be like i swear like i didn't even realized that I did this, but now I have this credit card. Um, so something like that happened. Very, and this would happen like a lot. It's very um, David Joe. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it would happen a lot with like this group that I was hanging out with. Um, they were just like, yeah, we just steal stuff kind of to stay in practice. And now we can't stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it wasn't even like kleptomania. So Rambo got arrested. Well, so he yeah. had this card and I guess one of our other friends convinced him or maybe took the card and bought like three bottles at Sway um, and then just kind of ran up the tab on it. And so the girl like canceled oh, the credit yeah. card, but it had already yeah, been a enough. Real, that's a real yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's one thing to just like take the card for practice. It's another to like then buy things with the card. So we were, yeah, we were all like hanging out at Sway and then he straight up got arrested and we we never thought it was hit like I, you know because I was hanging out with like a lot of people who should have been arrested I guess 
Um, and we had this, I remember we had this whole like, like free Rambo, like campaign and we made t-shirts. I think we just wrote on t-shirts with Sharpie and we were like trying to tag up Bushwick. Yeah. Did anybody, I mean, this obviously didn't influence anyone. No. You didn't do it in front of the police station or anything. No, um, it didn't. Yeah. But he eventually, he got, I think he just like paid his own bail. I think bail. he just made bail. Yeah. Because yeah. he was wealthy. Okay. So. so like. Yeah. Okay. Well, but, um, all right. Well, I hope he learned his lesson for <laughs> stealing. For, well, it was, it was like, yeah, it was, it's more like don't hang out with friends who convince you to use your stolen credit card. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. Right. Like trespassing charges are pretty common. So I guess you have to be careful after that. Like yeah. Stuff. Well, I mean, his tags still oh. are, you know, their their places. Listener, listener, Albert Cadabra has asked uh, if you can also tell the story that you know someone who has a Banksy. Oh yeah, uh, and we both do a, actually. Albert Cadabra and I and both. There's a know. documentary about that person getting you the Banksy, steal right? Street art. Yeah. Um, it's called. I think it's called Chasing Banksy, and it's, it's a it's a Frank Henenlotter film starring Anthony Sneed, um, and it's basically right after or like in the wake of Katrina. This is three years after Katrina. Banksy went and did a bunch of pieces in New Orleans. Yeah, and so it's a it's uh I guess it's a documentary, but also there's a script for it, so it's. Kind of a mockumentary. It's a mockumentary. Yeah. About going to. You're like, but it's serious. It's not mocking. It's well, I think it is mocking itself, and I mm. think a lot of people didn't realize that, and they got pissed okay. about it. Um, well, you don't have to recap the whole film, but, but it's basically. Well, do they get a Banksy? Yes. Yeah, and and Anthony has this this Banksy in his. Well, I don't know if he still has it in his living room, but I do remember there was one day I was. He got it by like removing a wall from a building. Yeah, it's actually it's it's a fictionalized <laughs> truth. Yeah, okay. it's a fictionalized truth. But he actually has a, tr- a like piece of the trumpet trumpet player, in on this like piece of wood. And he the way that he told me about it, he was like it was crazy. There were there were a lot of like catching flights, and then we would like show up, and a thing would be gone, and we'd have to like get another flight. And it sounded like like uh, playing the game. Like where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? Mm. <laughs> where in New Orleans is Pinksy? So yeah, for, what's flying are they doing? He was just going around New Orleans. Yeah, you know, <laughs> okay. I don't know, like, but um, bad sense of direction. <laughs> yeah, I guess you you can steal street art. This becomes a th- thing if you're fa- if there's a famous street artist. Um, there it becomes like a whole thing, and we were listening to a bunch of like David Cho. Podcasts. Podcasts and interviews. Yeah. Yeah, because he said that he tagged, um, he wrote Culkin Christ. Frying from, yeah. uh, Oh, Frying from Alice to New Orleans. To New Orleans uh, and back. Yeah. Uh, David Cho, by the way, uh, LA uh, based artist uh, who also was in San Francisco for some time. Uh, there's a documentary his friend made about him that he also worked on. Dirty Hands. There's two of them, actually, but there's one from 2008 called Dirty Hands, The Art and Crimes of David Cho. <laughs> and it is pretty funny. Like, you you go into it not wanting to like him because he's, like, a famous artist and he seems, like, kind of a shithead. But uh, it's really engaging and, like, pretty fun to watch. Yeah. So, 
But he he talks about tagging Culkin Christ on. Uh, he was hanging out with John Cusack yeah. in Los Angeles, and who took him to Nobu, like a super high end sushi restaurant, where. He said, because John Cusack is sort of a robot. So he was like, you like spicy tuna rolls? And they're like, yeah, of course. And there's like some other friends there. And and so he just orders 100 spicy tuna rolls. And he's, David Cho's like, I kind of wanted to try the other food, but I couldn't say anything. Yeah. So, yeah. And then they went. And then David Cho was like, well, we're just going to sit here and talk about art? We let's go. go let's go tag. Okay. Yeah. So they but tagged Culkin Christ. And he well, tagged. They're in Malibu, so they can't just go tag public Well, he property, tagged. Like, Cusack's like garage. Had Cusack's garage door, and then they, and then uh, he was explaining how it's a whole, it's a whole thing. Like once you're a famous or like a famous, well-known artist, like if you tag something, then it becomes art. It becomes, you know, you can Google Culkin Christ, and you'll see like an appraisal (laughs) and like photos for on like a an official looking website for like a gallery like yeah uh, an auction selling this piece for like a half million dollars or something which also happened when well not not selling it but david cho painted the famous uh facebook mural before facebook was anything yeah he painted their office in uh 2008 facebook went public in 2012 well, he, he, he painted had, it in 2006, I think. So, yeah. yeah. And then he... He, he <laughs> opted for stock. You know, they were yeah. like, we can pay you, like, whatever. Or you can get stock options. And he was like, you do realize if... Like, I think he took a ton of stock. Like, the, he was like, I will take, like, as much stock as you'll give me. And he's like, you do realize that, like, this... You could end up, like, owing me a ton of money. And they were like, yeah, whatever. And... They did. I yeah, forget. It was know. like they didn't have money at the time, so they were they were fine with giving him like you know, point two percent or point one percent of Facebook ownership. So yeah, when Facebook went public as a like a multi billion dollar company, uh, David Cho was suddenly worth two hundred million dollars. Yeah, like overnight. I was. I think. Yeah, I was looking up. It is funny. So in that in that documentary, the, the Art and Crimes of David Cho. By the way, they there is a a clip of uh, Sean Parker, two thousand five. With did it. with David Cho in the Facebook office after David Cho has just painted it, it and Sean Parker doesn't like what he like the mural that he's done. And Sean Parker's like, yeah, there's like a big white spot over here and it's just oh, blank, yeah. and then this other part is like distractingly busy and he like he's Here. clearly like unhappy with it i can show it to people so this is yeah one shot of it but yeah. then it's like a really cool cool, cool face. like face with with uh, a lot of layers to it because david cho actually doesn't really do outlines it seems like he draws an outline but it's not actually what the finished thing looks like he draws an outline he kind of draws over that and he just keeps layering it's a pretty amazing sort of freeform yeah. style yeah you just throw and paint as, around as he and said, like yeah he just kind of draws shapes and or he draws lines and then shapes appear to him and then he starts building on top of that yeah um anyway so that's that's david Cho, pretty fascinating character uh we can talk about because also in that movie uh shepherd fairy is interviewed Yes. Why is Shepard Fairey famous? Obey. <laughs> um, so. He's also L.A. based, right? Uh, yeah. Pretty sure. I don't know. Um, I don't know, to be honest. Okay. So, 
Well, he did. He went to he went to RISD. He went to Rhode Island, I think. So I don't think he is. I think now he is, but I don't think I think he might be. Oh, New he, York he or, maybe didn't grow up there, but yeah. But now he's based on I think both because and actually the gift shop. He's like operating out of L.A. Yeah. Um. Th- I didn't know this. This is like I think the most interesting thing that I the the coolest thing about him. What's that? Is that that obey giant sticker someone asked him what you know where did that come from and he was like oh i was just trying to teach my friend how to make a how to make like a die cut um and how to do like a print basically and he looked through the newspaper and there were ad for wrestling with andre the giant and he was like yeah here just do this like cut like and he said his friend like couldn't get it right he kept like trying to you know, it was like messy or whatever, and he's like, "I'll just do it for you." So he originally the original stickers were just were just uh, Andre the Giant like face. No, no, didn't say anything, and he had a bunch of them, so he gave them out to a bunch of skater kids that he knew, and they started putting them on their boards. And then there was like a really big demand for it, and he started putting uh, like. Andre the Giant has a posse because to kind of like make fun of how um, insular and like exclusive skate and graffiti like clubs and posses were. And so when people were like, well, what's the pot? What is it? What's it about? He'd be like, oh, well, if you're you're obviously not in it because like you would know. <laughs> then. So then people really wanted the stickers. They wanted to be like in the club. Um, so, yeah, starters. Yeah, just that Andre the Giant has a posse thing. And then the Obey sort of style is, right, it borrows from, like, Soviet propaganda posters. like that. Yeah, well, because that's printmaking. I mean, that's, like, when you do, like, a print. Yes. That's how it looks, basically, when you do, like, a cheap, like, one one ink print. Yeah, or, like, three inks or whatever, right? Like, a red-black or, like, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So that's how... And then also he did... That's how it works. When he uses... The writing he chose is, like... Very Cyrillic influence. That's how the right? ad was in the paper. In the uh, paper, really? Yeah. Oh, because wow. it was. It was meant. It was like actually the ad. Even that is. Really... Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's what I think is so cool. He's Even like that, that was wasn't chance. my like thing at all. It's just like that's what they were trying to make him, you know, under the giant be like. Because it became Soviet. everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It became this whole Soviet propaganda ish thing. And then it became obey the brand. Remember, it became Obama change in 2008. Yeah. Another thing too- which he stole, <laughs> another yeah. design. I guess it was, it was, right? it, it was like, it might have, he might have done the, during the primaries, which is, would have been like fall of 2007. It was a stamp, or, right? It was a stamp and a poster. It was just and everywhere. It was just a graphic that he came up with that I don't know if he was commissioned for it or not um, by the Obama campaign or if he just made it out of like, no, Google he was commissioned. That's why he got in so much trouble. Oh, okay. He was commissioned. But yeah, he used a Reuters photo for the picture of Obama, <laughs> um, which is like, I mean, he had to use something, I guess. He wasn't going to freehand Obama's face. But uh, yeah, he, you think he could have asked a campaign just for a picture of Obama to like do it. But anyway, yeah, then he denied that it was a Reuters photo. But I think in like court, they were just like, look, side by side, clearly the same photo. Yeah. <laughs> and then... Uh, yeah, he was found guilty, but I don't. Whatever, he's still fine. Yeah, well, he he said that that was a very stressful 
time for him. That's true. I guess, yeah, he thought it was he was going to be ruined, I suppose. And so, but it, I guess it worked out in yeah. some way where he's, he's still out there. He, yeah, he doesn't, he, people ask him what, uh, they're like, Do, are you a graffiti artist? Are you a street artist? And he's like, no, I'm an activist who does street art or something, which, because he, he said that he, uh, he, he would do like fashion stuff, like t-shirt making and print making and stuff to support his side hobby of like doing mur- murals and mm-hmm. stickers and like graffiti. And that wasn't, you know, that was the thing that was like the freebie thing. And then he started getting paid for that. But he's really into like activism now. And like, yeah, <laughs> he's, yeah, he, uh, he sounds like he has, he's raising two very woke daughters Okay. And he's super proud about that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's part of like both his popularity and that of like Banksy is that like, right. Banksy makes very political pieces. Um, I don't know that you necessarily call him an activist. I'm sure he donates a lot to like charity. Uh, Banksy's really, he's fascinating because he has remained anonymous. Right. And it's like very rare uh, that you find an artist who remains anonymous or at least tries to. There are a lot of theories. They're like pretty sure. They know his his real identity, but what's better is that like still nobody has like proven it really. Who do you think he is? Who they've done? Oh, like- I, so I read up on this. <clears throat> yeah, because he uh, it's it's Robin something uh, is the last name, and it's just like a guy from like Brixton, basically, um, yeah. from outside London. But he in some interview with an artist who knew him way back, that artist uh, instead of calling him Banksy, accidentally calls him Rob. And then, uh, apparently like very, yeah, his government very (laughs) early on, someone traced him back to like when he first started using the name, uh, cause his name is yeah. Like Robin Gatwick or something. What was the first Banksy thing? He started going by Robin Banks, which is a pretty pretty good drag name. Uh, he started going by Robin Banks. Yeah. 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 And then he, I guess he did like cassette art for some band in like 93 or something like because he was he was into like same thing counterculture scene in like London like punk bands and stuff and he uh, also really likes and was inspired by uh, one of the guys in Massive Attack the group Massive Attack well yeah that guy was like the first London graffiti yeah. artist yeah what's his name I forget I know, I'll have to look. it's like C3 or something like that or V3 <laughs> or uh, something like something equivalent I forget I, I forget uh, but so that guy very much inspired Banksy, um, who didn't make music, but like Massive Attack is also very like political um, and activist. Uh, and so, yeah, Banksy pieces very famously are anti-capitalist. They have a lot of them have animals. They have like apes and like yeah, a lot of rats uh, often feature like police or starving children um, or like balloons, roses, flowers. Because um, they... They're in like red, black, and white. Usually, there's not a lot of. Yeah, they're so. Yeah, he he. Uh, I guess famously, I don't know about famously, but he he like discovered stenciling or no, like what? Not discovered, discover? it, but like he he came across stenciling himself or like started using it because it was like much you know you could produce pieces yeah. much quicker with stenciling. So he'd work up his stencils ahead of time he's and like, then go like put them up. He's he like, like you know that out. hand. That was way I didn't back. Say he invented what? it. I said he discovered. He Handsy. They called it. it. That was. We're gonna. I'm gonna edit this part. Out of the 
Wouldn't that be awesome? That that's gonna be my new graffiti name. Hand yeah, so Banksy where I just, learned I just about stenciled my hand, and then he, <laughs> yeah, he started doing these pieces all over London and rose to prominence. And I think in part because it's both good art and the the political flavor of it. Uh, I don't know, draws people to it, I suppose. And then Banksy has done a bunch of bunch of installation art as well, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. So, oh, okay. So, so exit through the gift shop. Do you think that that they're all in on it? How deep do you think the the uh, the ruse goes? I guess we should maybe summarize the plot yes. real quick in case people haven't watched it. But go watch it. It's um, great. There's this guy. Uh, Terry, I forget his last name, but he's a, a French guy who's a clothing importer uh, living in Los Angeles in the like mid 2000s. And he has he obsessively documents everything in his life. It may be like a disorder. Yeah. Um, so and he just has hundreds and thousands of hours of video footage. And his cousin is the famous like French street artist Space Invader. And Space Invader makes murals, like tiled murals that he puts all around Paris and like cities around the world of like typically Space Invader little aliens and stuff and flying yeah. saucers. Uh, so through his obsessive documentation, Terry filmed a ton of Space Invaders exploits and there's like footage of him trying to escape on a motorcycle or a moped or whatever from the yeah. police and stuff. Uh, and then met all these other graffiti artists like Shepard Ferry and Banksy. And... He was always just kind of a fun guy who would help out. And you see like him, him carrying like a ladder to like go like tag yeah. something and like um, and never got in the way. And like the video just kind of disappeared. He just put it in his closet. So at some point he decided he would make a documentary and he has. And you think that's the documentary you're watching. You Exit think the that. Shop. Yeah. You think that he's like, oh, I'm going to make a Banksy documentary with all this footage. Or just. Yeah. Or you're just going to be a documentary Style about Wars street part art. Two. And then it's a really phenomenal documentary because then it becomes about the making of the documentary, sort of, because the documentary he puts together is unwatchable and there's a new cut every five seconds and there's no narrative arc but or plot. It really starts to just follow Banksy, too, which I think, you know, there because at first he's like, oh, I take pictures of everybody, whatever. And then he's like really just becomes like Banksy's like. I don't even know because there's a whole thing where they're at Disney World and they want to like tag up like the 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 mat what is it the Magic Mountain or the ton oh, it's a That's small right. world and it's he wants world. to put like the hanged man like Banksy's like I, I think it would be that. really cool to put the like hanged like a, so it's a prisoner it's like yeah. a dumb, a mannequin wearing a prisoner's uniform and he wants to hang that like, like it's body. it looks like a hanged like body yeah. in it's a small world and. Um, you're right, I forgot Terry about that part. is like with you know he's with him and he's like helping, and the the ride stops and people are like freaking out and there's like all this stuff and they they like they abscond they abscond Terry and and he Banks gets away but Terry gets caught yeah and he um you know he goes oh oh the, you know I and I they say show me show me the film show me the footage and he he goes oh you want to see the footage and he like opens the he goes here it is and he. I think either he opens, he exposes it, or he just, like, deletes all of it. Because he's like, let me show you, and he, like, either presses a button to delete it, or it's, like, a old, it's not a digital camera, and he just, ex like, exposes it to the light. Um, and that's when 
the, you know, Banksy's like, okay, then I knew he was like, cool. We don't want to go too deep into just explain. This well, story. I I wanted to like make that point that he that he it narrows down to like just him and Banksy after a while. Okay, so he the film he produces is unwatchable. So Banksy uh, decides to take over doing the editing, uh, and he says like, we go make your own, like have do your own art show, like go do your own thing while I'm like working on the footage. It's going to take six months to a year to do the editing, and. Uh, so Terry develops this whole persona known as Mr. Brainwash, <laughs> Mr. Brainwash. hires uh, a ton of assistants um, and, and rents out like an old, like giant, I guess, museum almost. It's it's like some it's like huge like factory, I guess. Yeah, factory. Warehouse. Or maybe it's a studio. You re- we don't it's know. like a studio lot. It's like it's like yeah. the original like. The hundred rooms. Yeah, so Terry, Terry gets like a 10,000 square foot space that he rents out and then uh, puts on a show and he manages to get quotes about the show from like Banksy and like Shepard Ferry. So it makes it into like onto like the front page of like LA Weekly. And then like six days before the show, like no art has been hung. It's not even like done yet. And so all these, uh, yeah, graffiti artists like show up and help hang the show and like get it ready. And Mr. Brainwash becomes this international sensation. Um, and so, you know, from this, like, crazy, like, probably Asperger's uh, French guy who was just filming all these other uh, graffiti artists. So it's very much like a commentary, I guess, on commercialism and art. And Mr. Brainwash went on to do, like, well, what is an the album art? cover for Madonna. What is the art show, though, when it does open? So, I mean, it is a... Uh, I mean, it, it really is like kind of pop art is very much his style. So there's a lot of Warhol inspired stuff, but it's it's all street art. There's tons of tags and canvases and some of it, paintings. though, is like cra- it's like a room with like a trash bag with like, no, you know, though. like a stroke. Oh, I remember that some of it I was like, oh, OK. No, it's quite there's a scene where Shepard Fairey's like whatever those little elves were doing that he like hired they did like a very good job like they really did put together a show with like something like 200 pieces yeah there were a lot of pieces but first art show there were a ton of pieces but some of them i was like "Mm, looks like filler to me i don't feel like it has any like sorry it doesn't compare to your solo i think the real art artistic statement is that the whole thing has like kind of tricked everybody into consuming it it's it's it i think that that's i don't think that's even the point it's made that's that's what i like very much about the film is it kind of just it looks at this whole thing and it sort of shrugs because it doesn't know what to do with it like because the art's acceptable it probably is you know, technically, because it was made by, like, technically very skilled artists, right? Off this other guy's ideas, like, technically just as good as, like, the other street art stuff that's hanging in, like, museums. So, like, who's to say, and if the public believes it's good, like, is it? Like, I guess that's also the point of just graffiti in the first place to get your name out there, right? So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, and so, like, the movie does a very good job of kind of subtly posing all those questions. But. How far? So, do you think that Banksy was in on it? Do you think it's Banksy's movie? Do you think it's Mr. Brainwash's movie? They, they were accused of totally fabricating the whole persona of Mr. Brainwash and like you think it's you know, getting an actor. And it's like, no, I, I believe that the documentary is honest. Um, okay, I think so. But who's is it? But, uh, do you think like? 
Well, no, I think the story that it presents is true, that, that Banksy took over editing and had all this footage, and then he included a bunch of, infra- like, the second act almost about Mr. Brainwash. He, like, edited yeah. together. Yeah, I don't know about that. Well, a lot I of that think... footage, I think, was also, like, Terry's assistants or himself filming, like, him setting up the gallery show. I I think it that my theory is that it's it was a way to make Banksy seem more like edgy or less commercialized by creating this other like aspect to his own art that is even more commercialized. I don't think he really cares. Well, I do. <laughs> I mean, he did he made his own like Disneyland that was like horror Disneyland for for adults. Yeah, we were talking about the installation pieces he does yeah so so yeah horror disneyland was one he made a a west bank hotel that's like right like in it's i think it's like on the israeli side but right by the wall that separates like the gaza strip from israel um and then had you know put a bunch of his art in it and you could like stay at this hotel called like hole yeah. in the wall i think was the name of it that's all that's pretty um, cool that's creative yeah he has a, a great sense of humor so i I don't think that he necessarily cares that much, um, right? Like he's he's famously that sold that piece at auction that then shredded itself. The frame had a shredder embedded yeah. in it. Yeah, I love that every story on that is, says, this is the first time in history that that a piece has actually been shredded. And it's like, duh, like, that, <laughs> like don't think it's going to happen again. Yes, so he's, he's definitely, yeah, a pro provocateur i suppose you would say but i mean part of it is that he's made more money than he ever thought he would from his art um and there are some like nice stories of people who like it was some like couple from like brixton that owned a camper van i think or like a caravan that like in the late 90s banksy when he was unknown had asked him if he could paint the whole thing and they let him and then they like uh you know in the like late 2000s sold it for half a million dollars or uh there's some house that he painted he like paid somebody some money to like paint paint their house the side of their house when he was unknown (laughs) that's what that movie with robert de niro is (laughs) so they then sold the house uh in the i don't know 2010s or something and it was actually listed as in a mural with house attached like they actually sold the art piece it just happened to have a house behind it so yeah. So yeah. you can you can sell street art. <laughs> you, can. you can. You can sell the entire building attached to it. Yeah. I guess I'm kind of jaded because I I worked for like a Mr. Brainwash basic. You, you should tell us about your personal experience producing <laughs> Jeff Koons. <laughs> fine art sculpture, I suppose. I worked um on the mostly the murals. I mean, you don't consider Jeff Koons to be a street artist. I, some okay. people do though. That's why I'm bringing it up. Like, he's on. He's in that like realm, and I think a lot of people don't like him because they're like, "That's not street art." Like, because they look background. at well, they look at him as like a Mister, a Mister Brainwash kind of guy, it's which he is. I mean, he totally he has a factor is. Factor of people producing yeah. his art, and yeah. I was one of them. <laughs> and you did it. Yeah. What was it like? You would go to work. What was the day like? Uh, you would show up to Soho, to this, like, his space in Soho. And at the time, you now I think they tell you what you're working on. But at the time, they didn't tell you what you were working on. You would just get, like, your assignment. And so 
it was like color by numbers. It was like my stuff was all paint by numbers because that's what I got hired for was to paint. So yeah, you get like Did a they little. Know that you could produce uh, art of the caliber of the jewelry that you're currently wearing. Oh no, they they did not know they that. No they didn't care. I for the podcast people, I wanted a dripping paint necklace, and it, that doesn't exist. So I made one. Um, they would have stolen your idea, probably. It's a good thing you didn't wear. This yeah, it's really awesome. <laughs> and uh, it's, sorry, continue. It looks designer. So you but, show up. It's wild yeah. that they wouldn't tell you what. Even people who work on like you know cars or air conditioners know like what part of yeah. the car they wouldn't tell you. And their in. reason for that was that if you had like a shitty part of the painting that you were working on. They didn't want you to not take you it as seriously. Job. You're doing the back, <laughs> the back of the painting. Well, because you were get, these were these were like giant, giant, giant paintings and like giant sculptures. When you did paint, I, there was like one or two days where I painted like a, a piece of a sculpture, but it was like a little tiny piece. Um, so they, yeah, they didn't want you to like not take it as seriously. So you just like paint by numbers, and then I got paid. This is also like in two thousand. The early 2000s, early, yeah, uh, the blog house era, beginnings of the blog house era. So, so I min- got paid. Minimum wage was still seven fifty. Yeah, and I got paid like double that. So I was kind of, you know, was, my friend told me about it. and You were getting 15 an hour. Yeah, and I was kind of like, sweet, I get to paint and I got money and like that's awesome. It's also like kind of flexible hours. You could pick what days you were coming in there. There's an interesting, it's like it's just tiny little tangent, mm-hmm. that there's an aerialist who was also working at this gallery. I didn't know this at the time. Um, recently, we were performing at, well, I guess like a year ago, we were performing at House of Yes together. And this aerialist looked over at me and said, hey, are you aerialist? And I was like, yeah. And she said, she's like, I've, we've been on each other's like coattails for, for like years. And she's like, I also worked for Jeff Koons and everyone telling me that I should meet you, but we were never there on the same day. Mm-hmm. Um, That's how big the Jeff Koons factory was. It actually wasn't that big, but it was, we just kept missing each other. Like we would change schedules or like, you know, whatever, like you would sit next to like different people and Yeah. Did you work so. at like a bench or were you all sitting on the floor? What was the deal? No, you had like, like a, a little station. You had like your little station with your paints and everything. And, and you then your little brushes and you're like. Yeah. And there was like another. Do you have a magnifying glass to look at what you were doing? No, no, no. You just like, because you were painting pieces of big things. Just I always paint, went very slow and careful because if you messed it up, they would just. They would be nice about it, but then you would not get hired again. It's, they would, yeah. like, soft fire you, you. Yeah, you want to do – it's going to be very smooth coating. Yeah. And yeah. someone did break something when I was there. you your balloon dog to look shiny, you got to yeah. very carefully paint it. And somebody broke something. Yeah. And they got – and the Jeff, Jeff Koons came in for it, and he was like – he was like, oh, man, like, that sucks. And then, like, I never saw that person again. <laughs> like, he was pretty – he was, like – he was, like – um he was sort of parallel to sympathetic. Like he mm-hmm. was parasympathetic and then he, yeah. The story is great because it. it was a very modern, modernist art sculpture. And you said they 
<laughs> I had to put it on a th this this. Like, uh, please assistant. place the sculpture on the table. Yeah, you were called an assistant. So this assistant was supposed to put it on the, its display thing because it was done. And he put it on upside down. And we all kind of saw this. And we were like, oh, You're like, oh girl. Oh. And then uh, he was like lazy about it. And he didn't want to pick it up and like re-put it the right way. So he tried just to sort of slide of it. And he just pushed it right <laughs> off the thing and it broke. <laughs> Yeah, it's oh, amazing. So <laughs> very lazy. And yep. sure as soon as it happened, he was like, "Why did I do that? I could have just picked it up." Yeah. yeah, he was probably wanted to like be in. There's a lot of people there were like, "I'm in art school, and this is like my stepping stone." And I was mm. like, "I never went to school, honey." And yeah, I have a steady hand. She's like, this Good is day. My, yeah, my stepping stone to being a professional yeah. pole dancer. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, uh, that was so that was a fine art world, and then I did I did have a tag too back in the day. Yeah, in you, McKibben, you were bombing. I you was bom bombing. You bombed the apartment building I, that you lived in. I did, and a little bit around it, mm -hmm. a little bit around it, and sometimes if sometimes if I was at someone else's, did you apartment, bomb the playground? Yes, I did. Street? Yeah. Damn. It's uh, cold. Yes, yeah, it's cold. <laughs> yeah, my tag at the time was it was an M. An S and then an up arrow because my name at the time was Martha Screw Up. Yeah. So it was like M, it was like Miss Up, basically. Mm -hmm. MS Up. Nice. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. And I like to do it in pink. Did you have like a big, the big paint markers? Yeah. I had a paint marker and then our house had tons of spray paint cans and we had a graffiti wall in the house. And there's actually like a graffiti beef that happened because the wall was just crowded with people's like tags and we never put up a new one because no one cared. It was just like fun or whatever. And this guy, like a friend of ours, he he came in really pissed and he was like, he was like, yo, so disrespectful. Like, where is so and so? You know. I, and like it was a whole thing because like somebody put a this, throw up on top of his they piece. did but it was literally just both of their tags and like you could still see both of them it was just like someone wrote their tag and it like ran into his and I was like I was like I'm not getting involved in this you guys can you can battle it out alright um, I feel like that's how you should settle graffiti beefs is just like have like a battle cause isn't that like how you battle yeah like you how do you bow? How do you... Like, you got to do the coolest stuff to, like, a wall in, like, 10 minutes or whatever. Maybe you have points or something. Just, it's like, like a Tony Hawk applause. pro skater. <laughs> yeah. <by> applause. Okay. <laughs> you know, I feel like you know when you're, you know, you know when you're beaten or whatever. Yeah. Have you ever been to, like, a live event where they have, like, live, like, a live painting or live graffiti artist as, like, part of the thing? I'm sure you have. That's a very, like, common Brooklyn thing. No. No, I never went to common Brooklyn things. <laughs> Oh, okay. That's like a, yeah, a ton of like. David, David Cho said that he likes, that was his biggest sellout for that company. The mark, he, the like marketing company or whatever. He did it, David Cho did it like on stage as like a corporate appearance, came out and like drew the word, like painted, like graffiti painted the word like focus or something for like some company. Um, that was his biggest sell thing. But this is more like a, it was a very common thing that it, and you'd be like, oh, there's like bands. And then, like, there's, oh. like, over here, there's, like, 
a poet and we have vendors who are selling like jewelry made out of trash. This is Brooklyn Wildlife that and you're then, talking like, about? Over here, like there's like live art being painted. Is this Brooklyn can, like, Wildlife? See. They may have had shows like this. <laughs> Other like... people in Brooklyn also did. I also saw this in Japan. It's a thing oh. there. I went to a DJ night when I was in Japan and there was a live like he wasn't spray painting because none of us would have been able to breathe. So I guess the guy was just painting like kind of street art style inspired stuff on a wall. And this was in like, like 2000, airbrushing. 2007. Airbrush. Yeah, he was like airbrushing, I guess, a wall. Um, yeah, it was like a, I don't know. It was a thing that was in vogue, I feel. Kitchy, actually. What up, Kitchy, out mm-hmm. there? Kitchy said that she, when she had the, she had a little mailing shop in Bushwick and mm-hmm. it had a backyard, and she said that a ton of graffiti writers would do shows and events in the yard and would do, like, some throw-ups on the wall out there. And she said her favorite one is Dick Chicken, which I think is chicken, but his head is a dick. And she said if her she had a tag, hers would be Tofu Tits. <laughs> nice. That, yeah. that block, by the way, where that Bushwick Art and Paint used to be, it's now a Mexican restaurant, I think. Um, it has, like, there's phenomenal art. Like, if you just go behind the building, like, on the street behind it, there's, like, some insane, like, giant pieces. Yeah. Um, yeah, what's your favorite, like, area in Bushwick to look at? Graffiti. Oh, my God. I want to throw up because that sounded so cringy. It's my favorite area. It sounded so, in. like, yuppie of me to say. But, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the Jefferson Stop and Morgan Stop are both great places to see stuff. I think the, Jeff- the Jefferson Stop even more so. Now, if you had that kind of area around, like, Star Street, even those buildings are getting, like, gentrified and cleaned yeah. up. But still, there are a bunch of decent number of, like, warehouses around there or, like, industrial buildings, especially if you head, like, into Queens, if you walk, like, Oh, you especially know, if there's a bunch of clone set huts on, like, Scott. If you want to put something really nice on there, there maybe a, we would like there's it. There's a cool clone set hut on the corner of uh, Scott and Randolph Street that has, like, a bunch of nice, like, like decent tags or whatever yeah. along so the side if you, of it. If you want to cool. add some more nice ones to that, that would be really cool. Yeah. Yeah, we'd like that. <laughs> no, we'd, I'd hate I hate, worst. yeah, that'd be Please the worst. Please, Please don't, don't do that. that. Yeah. Uh, um, Who's the, I don't know the name of the other. artist offhand, but there's an artist who does, kind of specializes in like furry creatures. And so oh, did yeah. they did the side of the bar much mores. Yeah. Uh, over near like Bedford Lorimer in Brooklyn. And they have a couple of the pieces around the city. I think there's one you can see from the High Line maybe uh, in Manhattan. And there are others in Brooklyn. But they do, yeah, that piece is like a wolf and lying on top of the wolf is like a raccoon and on top of the raccoon is like a mouse or something. Oh, that's and the so three cute. of them are like stacked up. It's very cute. But the it's like incredibly detailed and is and you know, the takes up the entire like side of this three story building. So it's a very cool piece. Oh, I know what you're talking about, actually. Yeah. And then there used to be on the side of I don't know if you remember the bar two twos off uh that's off Morgan, was off Morgan Avenue. Um, near the Morgan Avenue stop, there's a bar called Tutus. On the side of it, it had a giant whale that had been dissected into, like, slices. Mm. 
And uh, yeah, what an incredibly like detailed, amazing like mural it was. It was just very cool. That is cool. And then we should shout out Muck Rock, who knows our friend uh, Double Decker Studios. Oh yeah, Robin. Muckrock is a really phenomenal, I think also LA-based, uh, but Muckrock is a, a really talented muralist. Um, and she's, yeah, I mean, about our age, I suppose. But uh, did I, I did like this giant, you know, brick wall in the back of the McKibben Lofts that was like in the backyard there. And I told you, I, I saw when uh, she was setting up for it and she just had like a bunch of crates filled with like spray cans. And kind of like looked at the wall and scaled it out and then like put a big ladder against it and started just drawing strokes. And yeah, my friend Robin was like, do you want to see like the sketch that you did? Yeah. Or like the, he had sent her like an idea of like a, a monarch butterfly and a cow skull. And she was like, no, I got it. Yeah. And she just kind of freehand from there did the outline and then filled in in the course of like 12 hours, stayed up to like 4 a.m. or something. Nice. Uh, with just like a big work light on the, on the piece as she was working. Like this incredibly detailed cow skull with monarch butterfly wings. It was like 30 feet long, like 12 feet tall. It's pretty amazing. I like that. Yeah, the, the Lower East Side also has some cool, some cool stuff. Like what? It's good out there. I just, rem I, I can't remember like any specifics, but. You were saying you see a lot of tiny stickers is kind of yeah. a, a new way to quickly stencil. Oh. Yeah, and I have, key. this actually inspired me, like, so you're going to start seeing um, me mm -hmm. with Aerialist, like, in a sticker, like, Hank, because I do Aerial, and I have all these, like, photos of me doing Aerial, and I turned a bunch of them into stickers. I'm going to put them, like, hanging from, like, random stuff in this city, because I think it's cute. Oh, now you're making Aerialist stickers. Oh, I are made they, a bunch, oh, yeah. They're, are, they're in my bag right now. Are they pink? No, they're just, like, me. <laughs> I mean, am I pink? I'm more of a peach. Okay. I'm kind of a little bit orange. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so you're going to see those around the city. But you'll also see a ton of secret loft ones, uh, especially with Dr. Wires as the astronaut. You'll see that all around the city in a lot of just regular at secret loft ones with the question block. Yeah, when, when we didn't have our address posted, it was really hard to like get people out and I was trying to figure out ways that I could gain more control and like get the word out to people. And so I just made, I would make tons of stickers of all the shows that we were doing and just put them like everywhere all over the city. Yeah. You know who's really killing the sticker game though? Is that Cuter Cupcakes. It's like a cupcake company and they are They've got like- a great street team. Everywhere, yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, I told you about my brother worked for a street team, and he got a, he got life, like caught in right twenty fifteen. Yeah, he got he got arrested, <laughs> which I think is ridiculous because like because he, he, he yeah. put one on one of those green like power boxes Doesn't or something. Does the NYPD have anything better to do? Yeah, I arrested him for for doing street team for uh yeah it was like a producer like DJ and he was like promoting him, and so that guy would pay him twenty five cents for every. He would have to take a photo of every sticker. So he'd put oh, up wow. the sticker and take a photo and then send them. And the guy would like probably never looked at it, but that was the deal. Uh, yeah. And so he would just go out and do like, you know, 50 at a time or whatever and, you know, make like 12 bucks. Take 50 photos of one sticker, you know. <laughs> that would be a clever way to. Yeah. What's, yeah, I could definitely remember stickers better. But I when I'm talking about the places that I like to go to. Look at the 
different graffiti. It's more just walking around and being like, wow, it's I live in a magical like fairy, like imaginary world that isn't real. That's like I live in like a rainbow crayon box. And that's yeah. that's the kind of feeling that I like. I just like to be mm-hmm. surrounded by it. And I, I'm sorry to say, like, I don't like zoom in and really try and look at the pieces. Oh, East Williamsburg really has, I think, still a really great collection. I remember living in that neighborhood and just like the graffiti tours are like all over the street art tours. Are, like, and over thing. here, you might see. <laughs> no. It would be. It would be a, it would be a tall white guy walking backwards with like 30 or 40 Europeans and like Japanese tourists like walking behind them. And I would walk by and just be like, you fucking idiots. Like, how dare <laughs> be you like, not here's the real graffiti tour. Take you. Oh, yeah. I, I should... mean, I should have because my building got, <laughs> got tagged the fuck Yeah, McKibben. I also had uh, graffiti, two graffiti walls in my apartment, which we were done by. We lived in the same, the same place, but like yeah. many years apart. Those two walls were done by two like very talented artists. Um, I forget their names. One was just went by skate and the other, I forget. Was it um, like SK8? No, it was just SKAT. Um, but he he did it in these like crazy bubble letters. So it was like, it actually took a while to figure out what it said. Oh, we should um, shout out Wild Style, which is like, that's a style of, the style. Uh, of yeah. if you can't read the letters. it's <laughs> That's Wild Style. Wild Style. Or, yeah, if you're puzzling over what it says. Um, and then I forget the other guy who did, yeah, they did a the Halloween party that I threw with my roommates in 2013. They uh, came in and just in our kitchen did like two walls uh, in the apartment. I happened to come home in the middle of the day and there was just like a a yellow mist just like filling the apartment, (laughs) uh, just like acrylic. And they weren't wearing masks. And I like immediately like put my sleeve over my face. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, you guys okay? Like, oh, hey, what's up, dude? Like, yeah, what's that? And I was like, and I like they had the windows open. But the window, like at the far side of the apartment, like fifty feet away, so, like not doing anything. Yeah, the whole hallway of the building. Well, smelled. that's yeah. You had like, yeah. like a professional like wall. We legit had a wall that yeah. we were like, people, you all can just write on this. That is a a really good way because so many writers are like respectful of stuff that's already there. The best way to get your stuff not tagged or graffitied is to pay someone to tag your stuff <laughs> in a nice in a way that you like. And then other writers probably will respect it and yeah. not write on it. But well, we, we, yeah, we just wanted we just wanted people to write on that wall so they wouldn't write on like our counters or like our bathroom, which happened. Someone spray painted our sink one time. That was fun. Yeah, was people cute. still marked up the rest of my shit. Yeah. But they people would they put little tags in the bottom of it, which I thought was so funny. They're like, like a little like oh, this is a wall I can tag because clearly there's like giant yeah. tags. So then they like down in the corner like do their little thing in paint marker or whatever. Yeah. Oh, then somebody did, yeah, somebody did just then, like, go do one of the walls in the hallway, and then the super was real mad about it, and I had to read it. Oh, yeah. It. Yeah, the super, the super always, like, yelled, he said, you're writing on my walls. You're writing on my walls. Stop was, writing on my walls. That was a landlord. That's clearly a city. Oh, yeah. Accent. That was a landlord. landlord. The super was just a. Yeah, we didn't have a super. Oh, the, I, I had some, <laughs> some yeah. Italian guy. Yeah, no, but, we uh, didn't. We didn't I, was, I was like, hey, man, if you have the matching paint, I'll fix this. I feel oh, yeah. really bad. And so I spent an afternoon. <laughs> our <laughs> our painted the tag. experience there was just we we wanted my my roommate and I dances with white girls. What's up? Uh, we wanted to take over the lease and 
Dances with White Girls never wrote graffiti in the building. He was the only person who didn't. But our landlord was kind of racist and was like, would not let us take over the lease because he said that Dances was writing on his walls. <laughs> yeah. Um, and little did he know that it was me. It was you <laughs> it was, the whole time. Wow. It was I. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I should also shout out Days. Uh, who yeah, you should tell us some really more. Cool. We've covered all the history up to yeah. this day of of uh, street art. So yeah, tell us more more personal stories. Yeah, so I around the same time this all happened. I think in two two thousand seven was a big year. It's a big year a big for year me. For you, yeah. Yeah. Um, you met Days. I met Days, who who was one of the original. I think he he was in. In, Style Wars. In Style Wars, he has a gallery show. Yeah. It's like opening. And he's like just talking about how funny it is that he makes more than his teacher does. Yeah. Um, and he, I don't know, he went on to like do fine art to do one some of the art shows in, in Denmark that we talked about earlier. But he really does everything so he was exploring he was studying and like exploring photography with like larger format and like 35 millimeter cameras and he wanted models and my style cameras yeah um and then in like 30 yeah 35 millimeter so just just cameras with like a longer exposure i guess Mm -hmm. um so we one of my friends Sinead she was like, I just shot with Days. And she was freaking out about it. And she was, like, so excited. And I was like, who's Days? And she was like, oh, my God. He's, like, this, like, iconic street graffiti writer from New York City. And was, like, showing me his stuff. And from his tag to, like, murals that he's done. And, you know, you couldn't find them all over the city. His website is Days World. You can look it up. Like, he has all the stuff he's done in, in the city and different cities around the world. But he was, yeah, he just wanted models. So I shot with him a bunch of times, and he was really cool. And the coolest thing that we did is he had this little, like, side project, which was you would go to Central Park, and you would wear, like, a halter dress, like a one piece of clothing that you could quickly take off and then quickly put back on. And he would photograph you, like, you would just, like, take it down and he would photograph you, like, naked, standing right in the middle of Central Park, and then you'd, like, put it back. And then we took a couple of other pictures, like, where I was climbing trees and stuff like that. And in retrospect, that, I like, that is kind of the inverse, but, like, the opposite but the same of like the inside out sushi of like bombing trains, right? Because it's something that everyone is going to see later, but like no one sees in the moment and you're doing it in like a public space. Mm-hmm. The only difference is like, you're not going to see me like naked oh. driving by, you know. Put some time, you thought about <laughs> the meaning of this. Well, no, I was just like, yeah. oh yeah, that that was like, no one would ever see you do it, but then everyone would see the picture later. Like, how did you take this yeah. photo where nobody saw it? And you're like, we are very fast. Yeah. Well, he had, he's like, I have a system, like, worked out. And I remember his house and his studio were, like, in two, I think his, for some reason, we had to, like, drive through East East Harlem. And he was telling me about 
how like crack really ravaged East East Harlem and how there was a lot of colorful graffiti there. And he, he was like, yeah, it was kind of like the like favela neighborhoods in Brazil, like these like impoverished, but very bright, uh, how, you know, very bright, like houses with very dark things going on inside. And I thought that was, that was like a really cool thing. But yeah, he was awesome. Was, my mom has a bunch of his, uh, a bunch of the pictures he took of me like framed in her apartment. All right. Yeah. He's cool. Nice. It was fun. Was that, I suppose, that, does that cover your anecdotes? Yeah, I'm trying to think. I think that's, yep. I think that. That exhausted my knowledge. I have no more information to, yeah. to tell you. I mean, I was going to say, this is the only, the interesting thing is uh, the spray paint. You know, there's like so much information, the kinds of spray paint. And this, I actually didn't know that. The caps, like the different caps, the tips basically that come with spray paint, they they try and disperse it in like a really wide sort of way. And like a lot of writers don't like that because they want something more fine. So you used to have to, it was like a real pain in the ass to get like the right tips. And then a bunch of graffiti writers started not making them, but they found a supplier and they now sell them themselves so there it's like the fubu the fubu oh, yeah. of tips oh yeah so it's, it's like, that guy who does the dolls with the the sad doll, bear dolls that guy really i think so they do yeah. yeah so it's it's spray spray paint can i guess caps or sprayers that are like have a narrow stream or different yeah there's like the new york one and then the the like denmark styles. and the wow. black one and the, this one because yeah. there's ones that fit like european cans and Metric, yeah, from the metric cans, but <laughs> but, but apparently, uh, yeah, Montana Gold, Montana, just Montana, is the best. Montana is a company. Montana Gold, Montana, Montana sells Gold and Montana, Montana Black, Black and yeah. Montana Gold. Montana Gold famously have are lower pressure paint, and they're and they have a I think as a result like a finer stream, um, and they give you more control. Yeah, so they're considered like. Right, because you can do a, a line in such a way that it's, like, very fine without dripping, right? Whereas, like, you can imagine a can that shoots full force. You have to be, like, quickly move to, like, be able to get it to, like, not drip and, like, concentrate. Yeah. So I guess that's the difference in that you, Montana Gold is considered, like, the, the finest, like, artist paintbrush you can get for, for spray paint. Yeah. And I think their colors are, like, really brilliant. So they're, oh, yeah, there's some, like I think after. this color, which is, like, a magenta-ish. Mm-hmm color that purple it, it's like the rarest color is that purple it's it there's a certain color that it is um that's why purple is a color of royalty oh yeah although oh, apparently yeah. black was actually in the middle ages where black was uh very expensive to like come up with like, of, of, dye for I'm it right? of spray paint it's like oh, okay. the rarest it, there's a certain it's like limited edition it's a certain kind of like pinky purpley mm. limited edition and the Here's my last anecdote. So there's okay. a street food and street art restaurant called Vandal on Lower East Side. And how's the food at Vandal? It's good. Okay. It's good. It, the, it's like it, funny takes of like street food from around the world. It's the same person who did uh, Stanton Social 
and um, a bunch of other okay like fancy fancy restaurant fancy theme restaurants right. I guess so they have the purple so the cabbage. owner was telling me they had there's a giant bunny this kind of like a coons style bunny in the front that's painted that color and it has its own Instagram um, and that bunny has like a ton of Instagram followers <laughs> because people would take their picture with the bunny mm-hmm. and he was like telling me he's like yeah and it's in whatever purple like the rarest purple of purples so there there wow. you go go follow that bunny okay. yeah and we have it on our we have it on our and our wall on our actual wall that we painted mm-hmm. behind us here so yeah pretty amazing yeah, we painted this wall to look like a brick wall. All right. Well, then. Yeah. Oh, wait. One more piece of information. If if you, if the people out there want to dance to graffiti. Oh, dance to graffiti? To the spirit of street art and graffiti. What can they do? Uh, this Saturday at 9 p.m., we have our, our aerial dance and dance music show called Rave Review. Dance music. A dance music show. A dance, it is under the show with the dance music. And uh, yeah, that you should check out on Twitch at twitch.tv slash secret loft. And yeah, because you'll get high quality video and audio. And I've got a chat where I kind of talk about why I pick certain songs or why the ordering is what it is in the set. And so that's going to be inspired by the history of graffiti. Uh, yeah, we got some... We got some uh, Denmark, German, Denmark industrial. We do. We have some European, European industrial European tracks. industrial. Uh, some classic 90s, uh, 80s style stuff. And then uh, some some modern modern tracks as well. Woo. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. So thanks for joining us. Yeah. We'll be back about. next week to chat about something. And again, we don't know what it is. You can uh, DM us if you have ideas. Otherwise, we'll come up with some. Right or not? Oh wait, and who who wrote the song that you got to play us out with? I'm playing us out with an original track that I wrote. Right or not? What? Alright, the thought has crossed my mind, yeah. If something should happen, yeah, I go along with it. But if it doesn't, it's no no thing to me because that's not what I'm out here for. I'm out here to bomb, period. That's what I started for. I didn't I didn't start writing to go to Paris, I didn't start writing to do chemistry. I started writing the bomb. Destroy it all night. That's what I'm doing. How long do you think you'll do it? Until I'm finished. Destroy it all night. Destroy it all night. Destroy it all night. Destroy all lines.